Hello everyone, this is Sean O'Byrne for the Readings Podcast, talking today with Christus Chonkas, author of several novels, including Loaded, Dead Europe, The Slap, and Barracuda. He's also written plays, screenplays, and essays, and now a new book, a kind of extended essay, or critical study, or tribute. Christus Chonkas on Patrick White, as part of the Writers on Writers series. So hello, Crystal. Hey. Hello, Sean. It's really nice to, um, to do this. So this book really did bring me some more Patrick White. I really didn't understand how good he was as a writer, just as a word chooser, uh, an arranger of words, what he could do with language. And you did make me see better how big and powerful his imagination is. And, and this really, this really got me, you get to this bigger, much difficult argument about how we should be using our imagination, the ways in which we should and shouldn't be using it. This argument we're having now as a society and as a culture between a more traditional humanism that says in some way we're all the same and I can imagine what it's like to be you and this newer idea about identity which says you can't know me. Don't, don't you imagine what I am? So I wanted to talk about that. But to get us there, I wanted to start by asking about a kind of first difficulty with Patrick White uh, and the reason I think people don't read him as much as they should, which is his style, his method, is I think something like to take some of the introduction to place and character you get in a lot of novels out and just push you much more into an interiority, into a consciousness. So consciousness is sort of thickened in Patrick White. Is that is that some of your sense of what's going on? Oh, look, yes. I mean, I think the uh, uh, the, the the great discovery for me, Sean, of going back to Patrick White. I'd, I had read uh, a, a few of the books when I was younger, um, but really, I, I, I you know I, I picked up Tree of Man, yeah. a second-hand copy, and was astonished by that book. You know, I just think it's one of the great novels of, of that I've, I've ever read. And like, this was only a few years ago, really. I, I'm a little bit ashamed to say it because um, it's taken me so long to, to come to that novel. And what I found in Tree of Man is both that um, kind of a, a, a way of communicating to us other consciousness, including uh, the consciousness of land, the consciousness of um, yeah. space, yeah. Yeah. Um, as well as the consciousness of, um, of uh, humanity. And also a language of the spiritual and the transcendent. That is, you know, Patrick White was a a, fr a free thinker. I think that's probably the best best term. But I think that there is, uh, and you know, one of the things I write about in the novel, I think this came from his relationship with Manolis Lascaris, yes. who was a refugee, who was a migrant, who came from the Anatolia, the the end of the Ottoman Empire. A language of spirituality that comes from Orthodox Christianity and Eastern Christianity. That was very different to White's experience as a Protestant growing up here, and I think that that you know, um, I don't mean it to be a provocation. I, I just think that's what I, I read. Oh yeah. In, when I when I when I came to White, but you know, you ask about look, my first experience of, of White was Voss and reading it in high school, and it was I I couldn't finish it. You were set the book, or you found it? Uh, I, I think I had picked it up. It wasn't. Um, no, I, I have no memory of it being set for you know yeah. for English. But I, I, I'd heard. Of course, we'd all heard about Patrick White because he yeah. won the Nobel Prize. So, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, I picked up Voss. I couldn't finish it. Um, and it, the book, actually, the essay I've done 
is dedicated to uh, Yaroslav Havir, who was my English teacher in year nine and also took me for English lit at the end of high school. And he, uh, in a way, what he did was he opened up, I'd always loved reading, but he opened up the world of uh, European literature largely. He's, he loved French literature. He gave me my first Endal. Right. Okay, he gave me my first Jide. Uh, so he was in, uh, and I think he gave Martin Bovary as well. Like he, he, yeah. So he introduced me to a kind of literature I hadn't been reading before. And I think that the reason I wanted to dedicate the essay to him, he's he's passed away now, was to say thank you for uh, making me realise that there are different ways of reading. And what I realised in reading White is that I was not patient enough. I wasn't mature enough when when I when I picked up Voss. The the I, I describe it in the essay that the. Breakthrough, if you like, novel with uh, Patrick White for me was The Aunt Story, which yeah. I read in my late teens. And I was struggling with that in similar ways because it is dense, and in terms of interiority, in terms mm. of consciousness, that, yeah, that it's novel. Sticking us really in sometimes. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're in um, Theodora's world completely. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it wasn't until I actually sat, I just started reading the novel aloud to myself yeah, and yeah. listening to the rhythms of how language fell and that's when Sean that's when I went oh, I get this I get why he's a great writer and then strangely enough I, I, I not long after I had picked up the Twyborn Affair and I oh. remember really liking really really loving that book actually like it's not strong enough but then I had started university I was under the sway of uh, postmodern politics of and where really it was like Patrick White was not you know, we didn't talk about Patrick White. We didn't read Patrick White. We, no, we didn't, no, you know, no, it no. was almost like we were dismissive of that kind of literature that was identified with Australia that that, that didn't belong to us or we, oh, yeah. we didn't want to belong to. I think coming back to White is realising how wrong I was in that analysis, how wrong I was in that understanding that actually the questions I struggle with as a writer, oh, not only as a writer but as a person in, in this country, are there in White. They're also there in Randolph Stowe, they're there in um, Christina Stead, they're there in um, Pritchard, do you know, but there's a certain, hopefully, touch with a humility you get as you're older and you realise that, 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 that people, you know, people have been asking those questions for a long time. The other thing that's great about this series is it's, you know, the opportunity to write, of course I'm a reader, we're, I'm, I'm, and what I first want to do is communicate a love of what it means to read Patrick White, yeah. but I'm also coming to it as a writer and yes. what it means to, to yes. read Patrick White as a writer and what what he does. And if you actually, just in your opening question, Sean, I think that thing about humanism is really part of that postmodern arrogance I had. Yeah, and you say that in, yeah, the, in the book, I arrogance. Was, I was really struck by that. Well, it was almost like a dismissal of, um, of so much of... What animates someone like White as a writer? The, the 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 seeking to find a language that can communicate some of the awe and transcendent transcendence of the spiritual when the when God is dead. Yes. Um, a kind of existential question in the novel of what it means to be a human, you know, and all of those things had were something. I had been educated in ignoring yes. or thinking were unimportant. That was too much? That was illegitimate in some way? You know, when I go back to it, I think, you know, I was a callow, not very... I was... I, I didn't really think about it. I was accepting... You know, this is what I think happens in... I think part of the problem of postmodernism, it attacks literature before 
we even had a chance to get to literature. In other words, we get the reaction against literature, but for people of our generation, we never got enough literature in the first place. So the attack is too virulent, right? Actually, that's really true. I, I, I talked about this the other week. Uh, one of the best decisions I made when I started university, because you know, because I did love reading, you know, because I did love literature yeah. and and cinema. They were the two, you know, they were the two arts that kind of. Um, I think saved me. I don't, you know, I really do mean that, you know, kind of. And the other thing that White, I found in White too, was an expression and an understanding of the world that comes from the outsider. Yes. You know, and that's, yes. that's, that's what I mean about uh, literature and cinema saving me in that I think some of the best works I've, I respond to are coming from that outsider vision. But um, I remember the first week at Melbourne Uni because that's where I, I got in yeah. and... I had signed up to do English and after a week and a half I made the decision, I just went, I'm not going to do English, I'm going to go and do history and I'm going to do politics. Because you already got a sense of what they were going to do to these books? I got a sense that everything I loved about reading was going to be demolished if I continued in this course. And I, I, I remember really vividly because they were discussing Hamlet. Now I, I knew F.A. Yeah. All right, about Hamlet really, but I had seen the Laurence Olivier film. Right? Yeah. I had. Yeah. I had, through Mr. Javier, who, who had a great love uh, for Shakespeare, um, he had communicated me, to me, and you know, um, why this English writer was important in the world yeah. because of what he did yeah. with language yeah. and what he did yeah. with story. And I remember there was a discussion about how Hamlet is um, just a cultural artefact overrated culture. I think that was yeah. the phrase. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, that's when I made just the decision. Discourse. And that's when I made the decision that I was going to not be part of this course, that it was actually not um, uh, the relationship. It wasn't actually what I understood from, from writing. It, it wasn't at all um, equal to, you know, if I think if I'd stayed there, I would have become cynical about, um, about being, a, about writing. One of the things that's so interesting about this book is it's mostly a defence of the literary imagination. But there are points where you also say, I mean, that there are some things we've got to take off of postmodernism. There are some things with postmodernism took off literature and we're never going to get back. There's points in this book, one particular to do with Voss, where you say, look, there are some kinds of imaginings that aren't permissible anymore. You can't make, for example, a foundation story about Australia as white attempted to do in Voss, you can't use European characters, European consciousnesses yes. to, to say this is the most essential thing about Australia, this is how Australia in some extraordinary sense started. And I thought that was an interesting reservation. Um, I don't the postmodern you're... estimation of what's been done is wrong, but there's also the postmodernism says back, which is true. We have to make a kind of a limit. There are some imaginings we can't do. Yes, and that's, I mean, I think that it, it's not... Um... I keep coming back to this, the, the you know the either or. It's not that um, yeah. I didn't. I don't think that kind of critical reading is false necessarily. It's it, it, it is, and I think that I'm really grateful that I learnt to be a critical reader. And I'm not at all saying that we should um, forget criticism and go back to um, valorising the imagination. Uh, but I don't. I think the mistake for me, and I can only speak for myself. Um, about my engagement with um, certain traditions in literary studies and postmodernism being one, yeah. um, but there, there, there are others, is that they actually weren't very good criticism. Right. So that's, 
that's where maybe my age and how I can read. To give you an example, Sean, and you know, so I've, I've you know, I've been reading. You know, I spent this year with Patrick White, but yeah. I've been reading. You know, I have been reading really widely for a long, long time now, and. I, I was listening to a podcast that had come out of the London School of Economics and it was um, about what, um, you know, uh, the relationship between postmodernism and neoliberalism, which is a question that I think is a really interesting question. Yeah, yeah. Within 20, oh, 15 minutes yeah. of the conversation, I actually, the people who are speaking are just speaking can't. Yeah. There's actually no, there's no, there's actually no um, argument here. And, it's, it's and you need time, you need a certain confidence as a reader, yeah. and a, 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 not only a reader of fiction, but a reader of, of art, a yeah. reader of philosophy, a reader of politics, a reader of culture, yeah. to be able to make those kind of judgments. So and I couldn't do that when I was younger. So going back to what's on the page in Patrick White, in this reading, you know, you spent most of 2016 reading Patrick White. What was it as a practitioner that sort of more or less astonished you about him? I was astonished at at parts of Voss and the Solid Mandela and uh, the Twyborn Affair, his uh, sheer skill with language. But this other lovely thing you say, which is uh, his sort of stamina, his, uh, his fierce concentration, his ability to keep making this fiction yeah. at, in that strength for that long, I was struck by that again and again. Well, that's... Uh, I mean, I think my... What happens is that you, you know, as a writer, you, you think, I've written three good pages <laughs> you know I've done it God that has been so exhausting that it's been pulling the guts out of me to, to, to get there and you read Tree of Man you read Solid Mandala yeah. I think you read um, um, The Eye of the Storm and you think my God this man has done this consistently throughout the whole novel that is a uh, yeah. and I for me too um, the the other thing and this I, I, I mean I do think this is the connection to Las Caras, his partner, yeah. kind of opening up a, a world of, of kind of a, a, an Eastern language, if you like, to, is that he, what he does in all those books I've, I've, just, uh, I've just mentioned and you've just mentioned, is combine this exact precision of language and understanding of what the English language is capable of doing yeah. with a real sensuous force. Yeah. You know, and that's, yeah. Yeah. for me, the if you like, the uh, electricity of, of, of reading him again as a writer. And this comes from this... But it's just not just... It's not a cold no. admiration no. that I'm talking about. No. It's actually saying that this, this writer was able to both um, craft and use uh, the English language to its best possibility, but he was also able to imbue it with imagination, sensuality... Yeah, uh, the sacred, all which, those things, which you say was given to him, or uh, I don't know, just something that his imagination could make more with, because of Manali Lascaris, because of the tradition, like that Greek religious tradition, that's also in some way you say like the Russian religious tradition that released him from a kind of, and it's, he said Patrick White says this explicitly in the Soul of Mandela, from this narrower, reasonable Protestant <laughs> understanding of the world. Uh, he gets to be, sub he gets to have the kind of sensibility that we haven't had uh, for years. He gets to be Virginia Woolf and Blake. Blake in a way. Yes. Well, which is, um, I mean, Blake. It's interesting you say Blake because you know I don't talk about this in the essay, but Blake, you know, I read Blake and I read him through orthodoxy, which is my heritage. Uh, that that 
that kind of transcendent mysticism. Yes, and, the, the, and the religious the, sense that there's something there, we can't see it, it doesn't even do anything, but it's with us all the time and it's in every object. And, and your awe of God is not a separate from the awe of the natural world, right. which I think is what right. gets lost in some of the Western yes. um, versions of, of, of Christianity. Look, I, I want to be really careful about this because it's not that I'm saying that if it hadn't been for Lascaris, um, Patrick White would not be a great writer because, you know, he's in the Happy Valley in his first novel. Yeah. You know, you see that this man is, is, is a terrific writer. And I think there was also, because of his sexuality, growing up as a homosexual in, you know, in early 20th century and mid-20th century uh, Australia, of course he was going to be... Uh, he, he was going to have a position as, as outsider that came from, from, from that... And also I think he was an incredibly uh, sharp and diligent reader. So, yeah. you know, yeah. all of those things. But yes, I think what Manolis Lascaris was able to do, or what, what came from that relationship, is that he, was, he came back to Australia and saw it through the eyes of a migrant. He saw it through the eyes of someone who had grown up in a completely different kind of tradition. Not in a different class, and that was an interesting kind of search and understanding for me. You know, Lascaris was part of a very aristocratic Ottoman world. But I think the, um, the, 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 that, that eye of the migrant is what, um, is the gift, is the gift that I think Lascaris bestowed on white. It's interesting, Sean, that whole question of, you know, uh, what, how you feel about your own heritage and your own background and, and what you have to reject in doing that. So growing up, uh -huh. you know, Protestant squatocracy Australia, I yeah. imagine, and this, this I owe to Ma's biography really, yeah. is that, you know, he was fighting against that all his life, but he was part of that all his life as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and of course, the world of um, the Orthodox East is something that doesn't have that burden for him. He can he yeah. can immerse himself yeah. in it yeah. in a way, in a way that for me I don't have that feeling about Protestantism. Someone who's never grown up in that that world, who's grown up in Australia that has been formed more, right. more you don't have to the, fight out of it. But I don't fight it. I actually no. find the the it could be a good corrective in some ways. Yeah, and the the, the actual um, the the notion in the in the the Protestant relationship of. The, the human being to the Godhead yeah. is actually for me because it's so different to how I, I was raised absolutely fascinating and I think really um, creative so that's one of the things that I you know people have been asking me since I've written this essay and yeah. but you know knowing when I talk about white so yeah. what are you taking from white it may not necessarily be on the level of language I think it will be on the level of this is for your work diligence to language yeah. but not that it's not that I, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to imitate White because then I'll just be a failed writer. But I think thinking of how do you see what you do through another's eyes. Yes. You know, and for me, um, you know, because I do come from the Orthodox world, looking at the world through a Protestant lens may give me something. Yes. Different or yes. something useful yes. or yes. something yes. 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 Uh, stimulating or creative. This is part of the irony, I think, of what you're saying in the book, which is you say at one point, White gave us a language which is the, one of the best languages we've found yet, which are Australian. But part of what you're saying in the book is he did that by being more English, more Greek and more Russian. Mm. Yes, and that's, that's, I mean, that's not a... 
that's something that we don't need to be fearful of as Australians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the, um, you know, the, the, the great, oh, the great. The hardest bit of the, the essay for me was trying to communicate what I felt about, you know, I called Patrick White a migrant rhino. Yeah. Now, that's a very, it's a, I know it's a contentious statement to make because, you know, he is, you know, look at his name. So rich, so white. Exactly. So, yeah. But I, I do think that he, through that relationship with Manolius, he, for me, Christos Cholkis reading Patrick White and reading him in the context of an Australian, an Australian reader, an Australian writer, is that he forms a bridge between um, uh, a settler language and a, and a new form of Australian language, which is, which is attentive and an understanding of, the, uh, of the, the cruel and unfinished history of um, Indigenous settler and migrant now, yeah. Australia but also of the possibilities that have come from all these different people, from all these different parts of the world coming into and um, feeding into our language, kind of creating an, a, 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 another form of writing English, which I think is the only thing we should be doing, oh, not the, is the thing that we should be doing as Australians. So, not in a, not in a too limited way, but where, do you, where, where more or less did you end up with this? Part of the book seems to be saying, we should hold on to a much as much imaginative freedom as we possibly can, and that you, Christmas Chalkers, should be able to imagine people who are pretty strongly different from you. That's what a fiction is, and that seems in the book to be butting up against this other idea, which you know is out there, which is look, we've really got to give up a huge amount of what we can say on behalf of anybody else. I was really struck in the book. This beautiful relief comes through where you talk about your Filipina friend mm. and you say, just break out of the book and say, we don't have to give up the novel form. It's almost like through the whole book there's this fight with this, I don't know, almost this fear that part of the novel is illegitimate, imaginatively illegitimate. You know, Sean, I was writing this essay at a time when the whole um, politics around representation has dominated how we're talking about fiction. Huh. Um, and as I you know, said before, I think... I'm not saying, uh, I'm not making a position against criticism, but I, I do think that there is a potential in fiction to, uh, you know, I, 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 the language I have is really simple about it. Yeah. Fiction allows you to step into a realm of consciousness and understanding um, because it's not... Uh, it's not having to answer questions. It doesn't have to answer the, you know, for for the politics of the time or the or, or the moment. It can just say, look, this is what it's like to be. I'm thinking of, you know, when was the first time I realised this as a reader? I was 14. I read Carson McCullough's *The Heart Is a Lonely Hunter*, and I was a blind man in um, Alabama. You know, in in in, in, in southern United States. I was a 13-year-old girl. Yeah. I was a black man. Okay. I think that the novel can do that because the novel has done that. Does that mean we stop asking questions about um, uh, of what is involved in that imaginative representation? Uh, no, that's but I don't. I don't think um, we seem to have ended up with the idea that to represent is to colonise, to represent is to take over, to represent is to stand <coughs> for. There's also another move that we've done that is even you know so beyond that is about so. 
you know, the question is, what do we do as writers now in 2018? Yeah. And there are choices that I make now in 2018 when we're taping this that probably would be different to what I was yes. doing in 2010, yes. Yes. which was what I was doing in um, uh, 1998. And that's true for White too. White, but, no but also, write an Alf Dubbo today. I, I get, where I get really, I actually do not have sympathy is for when we read back our cultural moment into the past. Right. So, I have been. I've tried in this essay to say yes. In some, in a book like Voss, it's not possible now for a white man, a white person, actually, yes. a white woman, couldn't write that book either. Yeah. But that doesn't um, mean that I have no love for Voss or no respect no. of what Patrick White is right. doing. With all these um, understandings of, you know, authority and legitimacy and representation, you still have to deal with the fact that Alf Dubbo, the Aboriginal character in Writers in the Charity, is one of the great Australian characters. That's really interesting. And one of the things that makes Dubbo great is that he is vivid, that he is complex, that he is... Um, both ugly and beautiful at the same time, which is the human experience. So you make the effort to imagine the yeah. other, even though you know... I mean, part of what's dismaying about the way we talk about this now is everybody really does believe you can be completely right, right away. Yes, and I think um, I, th I think that's... Uh, it's dismaying. Uh, well, it's also... It's, um, it's just not possible. I mean, I think that the... That what you're demanding then is a level of you're demanding that a book in saying that a book can only speak of or a, a work of fiction can only speak of this uh, set experience you are actually denying that character that human life of a complexity of what the human experience is because we are not only our gender we are not only our sexuality, we are not only our ethnicity, our race, our class, we are, you know, we are a whole series of, we, 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 in that way, I, yes, I'm making a defence of um, something really old-fashioned, which is existential humanism. But, Sorry. Which is, you know, that is not to say that I am not aware that there can be criticisms made of that. And limits on it, new and limits. All, yeah. all of that, but I think that is what I'm saying. And, and, and I, I worry about a... Uh, you know, there is two kinds of readings. You know, there's... I'm, even as I say that, I'm aware of the binary. But there, are, there, there is a reading you can do which is in good faith. And say... And you can do that about my work. And say, actually, I think Chalk has got it wrong. I think... Um, that this is uh, his representation here of women. For I'm just taking yeah, an example. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is um, these are the problems I see. But I I I, I accept that Chalkis is writing. You know, I hate talking about my third person, but I'm trying to use yeah, an yeah, example. Yeah. But is attempting to write a story about suburban Melbourne and class and history in Melbourne. And he might be an Indian woman. Yeah, and yes, but maybe he didn't get that right, but yeah. that's, that's but the his, attempt is worth making. What was there. Or you can do a reading in bad faith yeah. and say that yeah. he yeah. deliberately... And look for the mistakes. Yeah. Or, yes, or that you were trying to take over someone, yeah. take over something. So, so the going to the, to the white, I think that yeah. the, the caution that I have in the essay, and I, I think that's the right word, is a caution about modes of criticism is that when they are fashion and when they are readings in bad faith. 
and not to talk about this uh, too easily, but I, I, I heard a broadcast that you gave at the State Library recently about the work in progress, Damascus, and one of the things that struck me about the part of that book that you read out was, I think maybe through this reading of Patrick White, you yourself have decided to double down on the fiction imagination by removing yourself completely from the contemporary. I was really struck. I was like, wow, he's going to go for something where he's going to get no... He's going to set this book 2,000 years ago. He's going to get no help from the contemporary whatsoever. Every object, every piece of speech, you're going to have to yes, make from further away. And look, you know, maybe it's a... You know, there's been a... You know, this... You know, now, now we're getting into questions that are... You know, that we could spend hours on, Sean. But I... So... You know, part of, you know, being, listening to or overhearing or... Because I really haven't... I don't think I've contributed, really, apart from now with this book. Listening to the to the discussion, the conversation, the argument um, about representation at the moment... Uh, you always need to stay away from it. Well, it's, I mean, one, because I'm not on social media, that, uh, that does also uh, affect how... Because it's actually a conversation that's happening... Largely there, I think, yes. but that's that's our age. But I'm also, you know, I'm a middle-aged man, so that there's a a, a sense of having to go. Well, uh, I'm I'm not sure what my relationship to these politics is anymore. Mm-hmm. You know that. And how does this come into the, the same well, Paul story? So what I should I'm saying, say to people that Damascus is in some sense a reimagining of the life of Saint Paul, so what, soul to Paul. So you know, I don't know where ideas for novels come from. Really, you just you. You know, but looking back on it now, I think maybe all because all of this was going. I was thinking about this, thinking about what is the responsibility of writing, thinking about how I hate the totalitarian politics that seem to be prominent um, at the moment. Um, uh, I hate them in particular from the left because you know I think we we and I consider myself as part of the left need to be even more uh, rigorous in our understanding yeah, yeah. of where those politics are. Yeah, we're much from. more likely to let that <laughs> off. Yeah. Um, but I, I think what I've... You know, going back 2,000 years, actually going back to reading... A, you know, I, I set myself a task that first year on Damascus where I was not going to read anything published after the 3rd, 4th century AD. And it was like, you know... I disappeared in that sense from the world for a year and it was a great disappearance because the things that mattered, people would still tell me about. Yes. You know, the books that mattered, people would tell me about. I don't think I missed out on anything, but I, I, it's almost like I've, in disappearing into that world, I have, underst- you know... So I, I emerge, you know, I'm, you know, maybe people will laugh at me and say, he's, oh, he's just gone into his shed. But I kind of emerged and I, I go to these, you know, I go to something like the Sydney Writers' Festival and there's this whole drama yeah, and dramas yeah, happening yeah, about yeah, yeah. Um, identific- uh, representation in politics and outrage. Yeah, yeah. And I think, this oh, tight amount of the this is Paul. This is actually, you know, this, this comes from Paul. This comes from these po- this, this notion of... Uh, purity, that's that's not huh. contemporary. That's actually, and this is a really unfashionable idea that you could understand better about today if you drew from something that wasn't so locked hard in today. Yeah, and also uh, also seeing the connections that are uh, are still there across. Of course, the 
you know, history forms and changes and moulds them in different ways. But the those, you know, you can't. I mean, I've, I've become more and more convinced that you can't understand anything without understanding history. Which is probably the really. That's why the smart. That why I said earlier the smart thing was actually, you know signing out of English and going and doing history all those years ago. And what to do with St Paul and that time, that time of faith, what do you see from then that does seem to illuminate well, not, now? Uh, I mean, I think the... Um, uh, and this is what's always drawn me to the, the Paul letters. Even when, mm. you know, you, you know, there's whole arguments that, you know, the, the whole... Um, uh, homophobia of the of the of the church is founded on you know on Paul. I don't I, that what I find in Paul is um, the first articulation that I am aware of of a universal of you know uh, neither neither uh, master or slave neither man or woman right. neither that Greek or Jewish. Right? That's 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 Paul. That's right. that's and that. That's what I mean. That's not that unconnected to the arguments we're having now. That and hope that we all have, in a sense, the yeah. same soul. Or, or the criticism that can be made of that universal notion. I happen to want to defend that, but, I'm, um, but that's what I'm. That's what I'm finding in Paul. Chris's Chalkers on Patrick White is part of the Writers on Writers series published by Black Ink with support from the State Library of Victoria and the University of Melbourne. Crystal, thanks so much for a talking to us A pleasure, Sean, and thanks for doing it with a call. <laughs> <laughs> I stayed awake.